We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Chad Price, CEO and founder of Life Grows Green and co-founder of Kettlebell Kings. Chad was a competitive football player and earned a scholarship to Rice University. After college, he brought that competitive spirit to the business world. He was always interested in entrepreneurship, but decided to join an existing company at first. Once in corporate America, though, he realized it wasn't for him. He didn't want to just go to the office and draw a paycheck. He wanted to make things happen. Now, after 11 years, Kettlebell Kings is being acquired by a larger company. In 2019, Chad founded Life Grows Green, which sells alternative health products. Well, he didn't know it when he started. Chad's businesses have become successful lifestyle brands. Kettlebell Kings cultivated a community by offering a good product and partnering with organizations that sponsor lifting competitions. He believes strong connections and positive partnerships are key to building the lifestyle brand. With Life Grows Green, Chad wants to shift the perspective of CBD and hemp products as being hippie or from being hippie to being embraced as healthy and viable alternatives to pharmaceuticals. Now, let's get better together. Chad Price, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here. You are the founder and CEO of Life Grows Green. And not only have you done that, but you've done a lot of cool stuff in the fitness industry, which, of course, everyone that listens to this show knows that I am an intellectual knuckle dragger, love mixing it up and lifting the weights, slinging the iron. And one of my favorite quotes is from uh, 
uh, Henry Rollins about the iron never lies. I don't know if you've ever heard. That's just like yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah, it's literally quoted in my memoir. It's so important to me because <laughs> <laughs> I just love his attitude. It's like the iron never lies, bro. Yeah. Hundred pounds is a hundred pounds every right? day. Every day. <laughs> every day. I love it. I love it. Um, but before we geek out on all the fitness stuff and on all that great things, which you're just doing, just so many cool things. What I always like to say, my first question, it never changes. Tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up in a small town here in Texas, uh, played a lot of sports growing up. You know, when, when I say a lot of sports, pretty much every sport that was out there, I was pretty much a, you know, uh, a pretty athletic kid. Uh, that culminated in me getting an athletic scholarship in football. Uh, so I played, I played at Rice University in Houston. Even when I was playing there, you know, uh, I knew I wanted to play football competitively. Obviously, I, you know, I got into that point. But at the end of the day, I think I realized I wanted to be part of an operation or manage an operation uh, or a team that could do goals that were larger than myself, let's say. Um, I see a lot of that in entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. But, you know, when I first graduated, I was kind of willing to, you know, jump on board with another entrepreneur or with a company, let's say, more established or further down the line, like you would put it, um, in the journey, but going through corporate America and really seeing, okay, you know, what it would take for me to get to a level of authority or a level of, um, decision-making that I, that I would, you know, want to be in. I, I just, re- it really wasn't the, the route for me. I, it was a, you know, a lot more, um, politics and more, uh, let's say networking and things like that, that, weren't as fit to my art in tune with my personality, let's say as some of the other things. So it really made it pretty easy for me after I was working in oil and gas at actually at trans Canada downtown. And I had a couple of buddies that we had all, all talked about starting our own business. And I think it was a real idea, but we never turned it into anything. And once I kind of got that job and realized like, it's not going to get much better than this. Uh, it made it pretty easy for me to start my entrepreneurship journey. Yeah, I found a lot of people that are like, they don't like the bad corporate coffee, don't like being told what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's like, why is this idiot telling me what to do when he yeah. has no clue? And and it, it wasn't even as much of that for me. It was more, I like to do things. I don't like to just be somewhere just to be somewhere. You know, I, I'm I'm never the guy that's like just sit in the office just to work. Like, I, if we're gonna go to the office, I'm like, let's go work. And then if we want to go party, let's go party after. Let's not like mix party and play at the office. And I think a, a lot of our culture has become more where the office is a lot less casual, not as maybe as intense as I would like um, when I'm in that competitive space. So um, when you own your own company, it's it's almost like you can be as competitive in nature or as in uh, as intentful as you as as you can muster, basically. And you're not really judged or frowned upon or uh, considered uh, confrontational, inconsiderate. Like these, these are some of the things that I would run into in corporate America just because, you know, I have a different approach to trying to get the job done, let's say. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, a lot of entrepreneurs that just, one of it's like they're unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> I like to say I'm unmanageable. Yeah. I'm a horrible employee. <laughs> I am. I mean, and the reason is to what you point, your point, right? It's like, let's get the job done. Let's take care of business. Let's like move. I hate the politic thing. It just 
Like, really, do we have to go through this like kindergarten, yeah. high school bullshit? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what it That's feels exactly. like. Yeah. Ooh, right? But I'm yeah. curious, is it because you were a competitive athlete? I mean, you know, playing football at Rice is no joke. I mean, that's like legitly hard. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, when you're around that culture of performance, did that be like, gosh, I want to, I want to, I want to build this too. Yeah. I mean, I, I really didn't realize until, you know, I graduated and even, you know, now I'm still realizing how kind of fortunate I was in early in my competitive career, but, you know, early in my competitive career, I w- we would try to win every game. Like losing a game to me would be a problem. You know, it's, that's not something that we should just casually accept. Like we work harder the next day if we lost for sure. And even if we don't lose, we still work harder than everybody else because we want to dominate people. Um, you know, I, I mess with people in high school. We didn't see a success. Like I played defense. We didn't see a success unless the other team scored zero. Like that, that was our standard. It was zero. It wasn't winning the game. It was, you know, we wanted to give them a goose egg every time. And I think just having that level of intensity kind of primed me for uh, that competitive nature. Um, and, it, you know, it drove me to obviously get, get a scholarship at Rice University. And I think it still drives me to this day to be as competitive as possible. So even if I think that, you know, I've figured it out or if I've made it, at the end of the day, I'm trying to continuously get competitive, get better, you know, put, put my competitors farther behind me than they were the day before. Yeah. Yeah. I found that when I interview ex-athletes or even like high performing teams, like I've interviewed uh, one or two Navy SEALs and you just hear it in their voice. Like <laughs> we don't lose. Yeah. <laughs> there is no uh, lose is not an <laughs> equation. Right. And I'm like, yeah. well, well, he's like, look, you don't understand. Like we're <laughs> performance culture, like we win. That's all that matters. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, you know, and we're talking, life and death intensity, you know, when it comes to like special operations and, and those elite military things. But I think it's the same thing in, in competitive sports because well, one, there's a winner and a loser. And to your point, like, we're just going to work out. We're going to, we're going to outwork everyone. We're going to win. Like, that's the thing. And again, there's luck and, you know, you don't win every game. And I think that's the reason why sports is just such a great metaphor for business. Cause sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you always try to get better. And, and, and I like that sort of mantra, that attitude, because a lot of the young folk that I talk to, you know, they think it's just going to happen like that. It's like, oh, well, I just like, you know, raise some money and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. you know how hard this is? <laughs> this yeah. is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell people all the time, like, do you think it should be easy, you know, to, to do this? Like, do you think it should be easy to start your own business and become, you know, a millionaire, multimillionaire? Like, you think that should be easy? easier than college, for example, or easier than, um, you know, getting a, a, a doctorate or a PhD or whatever certifications or level of effort that you'd have to put forth for whatever we are considering valuable in life. You know, I, I feel like this is something that you need to understand going into anything. Business in itself is probably one of the most competitive things because we all are trying to, you know, make the most for our family, trying to make enough income to, um, to live a life that we, that we see as, uh, you know, a good experience while we're here. So the business world is to me, it's like, it's like the ultimate playing field. It's, you know, it's, it's above sports. It's above everything else. It's probably one of the most competitive spaces that exist. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's interesting that, you know, unlike professional sports or college sports, I mean, everyone can compete. I mean, at least yeah. that's what I, I 
that's what I strive to hope for. Again, there's things that, that are messed up and we all know those things and we're all trying to work harder for that. But I mean, if I could pick one thing that w- which one, everyone on the planet needs and two, generally you could, anyone can compete in it's entrepreneurship and business because there is somewhere, someplace where your skill set, your unique perspective, someone wants to buy from you or you want to build products to serve your community, et cetera. Yeah. It's just powerful. And, and again, I don't know how to make it even more of a, of a you know, level playing field, so to speak. But I do think it's one of the only ones where, yeah, you might have additional hurdles in your way, but I mean, pretty much everyone you can thrive in it. If, if, if again, yeah. I think it's if you put the work in, like you've talked about, right? Like, yeah. look, I'm here to, to win. I'm not here to just, you know, show up and punch the check and drink the bad corporate coffee and yeah. fill out my TPS reports. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one of the things I would hear, like, even when I was working previously, like I, I would work and, you know, you hear guys say like, well, I get paid every two weeks anyway. I, I mean, I cannot stand that attitude. I'm like, what? Like, what? You waste two weeks of your life? Like, you just trade time for money? And I, I can't physically do that. Like, that, it actually makes me nauseous to think about just sitting somewhere for someone to give me a dollar. You know, I, I actually want to be able to see what I achieved in that two week period. And I think that nature just drives me um, completely when it comes to business because it, it just becomes second nature for me on anything. Any project that we start, if it didn't come to a completion, what are we doing? Like, that's. Yeah. kind of more of, a, of my mantra yeah 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 interesting interesting i mean so how, how do you think you can instill that i mean so people that have not had your experience how do you instill that attitude i mean i, I, I struggle sometimes i mean I, I'm, I was never a professional athlete but you know I'm, i like to say i'm an intellectual knuckle dragger i can appreciate that you know and so I have that kind of, I don't have it as much as you, the drive to win. There's other, you know, drivers, but how do you instill that in someone? Because it's, I find it really, I find it's a very good attitude to have, but it's hard to, it's hard to explain. How would you, how would you say it? I mean, I, I, I think there's no real way for me to expect my level of intensity on everyone else. So I think that's something that I really understood early on. Like, okay, I, I am kind of a little more intense than <laughs> maybe somebody else about even, you know, let's say growing up playing sports. I took it harder when we lost than some other players, but I I could tell they were trying during the game just as hard, hard as I was. It's not like they didn't try to win, but I took losses harder. And so to me, it, it's really about having that consistency about how important something is to you and not just demonstrating it during the game, but also demonstrating that on a regular basis. So, you know, the the company we were able to build, for example, we're able to take, you know, young guys who also want to be in shape and want to be a part of a, you know, health and wellness type of company and uh, better themselves along the journey. And, you know, we try to make those guys employees, affiliates, and bring them into more of a community and create a culture. And so once once you create that culture, I think it's a lot easier because it's not you that has to be the main, you know, slave drivers, if you will, or uh, whipcracker to try to get everybody motivated. It becomes more of a, a standard that you set, at least while we're here, we're going to be this way. And I think that's one of the things that we were able to do with Kettlebell Kings early on is say, well, you know, when we're here, we're working and we're doing this. Whatever you do separate, you know, we're not judging you. You can do whatever you want. But while we're here, we're trying to be 
the the best company that we can for the customers that you know that are coming to us. Interesting, interesting. So, really, it's just setting the a culture of performance, and we're here to do the work. Yeah, and and that ta- that takes time with anything, yeah, yeah. right? Like you you're gonna have to go through battles. You're gonna have to see some ups and downs together. You're going to have to go through some hard things together for us. Like, you know, I was referring to, um, like the kettlebell Yeah. when we we've gotten, uh, we've gotten in situations before where, you know, it was supposed to be one container of kettlebell shows up and we get three containers of kettlebells and we only have two guys to unload it. Well, you know, that creates a culture that creates a mindset when, <laughs> when you have to do that, that, <laughs> that rumor, that story, you know, it cycles through the rest of the company. Like, oh yeah. Guys did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we're really committed. Right. Like, and so this is going to be a long things day where it, it sucks for you, but going through that with your employees or with um, people who want to be associated with the brand, even if it's vendors, if, you, if you're acting that way and performing that way in front of vendors, they can like, holy crap, these guys are serious about their business we need to raise our level to their level of performance. And I think when you're always trying to do that, at least in the space of the business, you know, um, you can, you can create that culture. It's just a matter of time. Just got to overcome, overcome a few obstacles together first. Yeah. It's almost like the crucible, you know, like I've done a bunch of these like multi-day endurance events. And one of the things that always strikes me is, you know, day day two without sleep is you know it's a challenge as as i'm sure you can imagine but it's amazing what you can do when you just like get out of your private pity party and you're like the job to do i remember this like the job to do we was doing this one event and the job was to take all of the equipment out of the gym which was everything including the plates and everything walk it up uh, to the top of a hill, which is again, silly. We, this is like day, yeah, 20, 30 hours with no sleep, walk it to the top yeah. and then walk it back down <laughs> so that they could sweep out all the, the sand. And it's anyway, it's this thing called Kokoro. It's seal fit. And I'm just sitting there going like, this is not fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the bond of the mutual mutual suffering is maybe the word, but just just like the cohesion, like we we did something together that no one else did. And I think is that what I'm what you talk about when it's like for sure building that. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it you know when you go into something difficult, there's going to be difficult times. So you know it's waiting those difficult times, those even potential failures. There you know those are opportunities for you to build that culture in that team. Um, how you respond to the difficulty is going to tell your team how, how they should respond. So, you know, when, you know, like I say, three containers show up and we don't have enough people, it's like, well, let's get to it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not like, oh man, this sucks. Uh, let's yeah. just go home today. You know, it's, that's not even an idea. What are you talking about? Go home. Like if, if you have to go home, that's fine. I'm still going to be here doing it. So uh, that that's more of a, just a mindset on how you approach obstacles. And I think in business, people see that and they feed off of that. And they, they you know, it empowers them to look at their obstacles as, achie- as you know, achievable goals versus something that should deter them from, you know, making, making progress on that day. Uh, you know, if we have a rush of orders that come in and it's five times, 10 times as many orders comes in, that's a good thing. But, you know, some, some people would perceive that as, oh, my, my day sucked because I had too many orders that day. And I think changing that culture, celebrating those hard days with them, you know, um, 
really trying to get people to embrace that moving forward, having more pressure, having more stress, more responsibilities is a good thing. That means you're, that means you've done the, the right thing. If your phone's ringing more, your inbox is, has more emails in it. It's like you, you're going in the right direction. I, I think it's hard to overcome at first, but once you get that spark, everybody kind of is on the train to success and they, they really don't really care as much about how hard it is to get there because they can see the, the progress as, as we go along. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember like the times where like team cohesion came together. Like we were all in it to win it, so to speak. And it was always a crisis or a deadline that was just like borderline impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And you just sit there and you go, I can't believe we did that. We did it. We did it. it, Right. We did it. Um, that's the it sets the bar a tiny bit higher for the team and and like I say that that camaraderie that you build when you do stuff like that is 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 priceless it's it's genuinely priceless yeah yeah i as I think about i'm yeah think about the times where it just was so it was almost transformational you know it it's funny because it it's it really does level it up, you know yeah. like like people never thought they could do it. Then they do it. Then they're like, Oh, I guess what else could we do? You know, to your point. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it, it, it sets the tone for how you embrace challenges And business. is just a series of challenges coming at you. You know, it's a series of decisions that you're going to have to make. And the, the better you are at making informed decisions with a team that can execute, you know, the, the more progress you'll make on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I think, I mean, it's true. It's just solving a challenge after a challenge and problems and adapting and overcoming the things that are in your way. Um, And some people have a harder time of that. Some people have, you know, don't have access to resources or like supply chain or COVID. I mean, there's name the amount of (laughs) thrash that could come at you. It's like, oh, I didn't think that would happen, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And so right now, I mean, you know, you talked a little bit about Kettlebell Kings, which you were the founder and managing partner of. And you mentioned before we recorded that, that you, you sold that business and you're in the process of, you know, uh, putting it, you know, or integrating it with the, with the acquiring company. Tell us a little bit about how that process worked, because most entrepreneurs, well, I mean, I don't know about most, but at least in Silicon Valley, everyone wants the exit, right? And yeah. Clearly, you got the exit. I'm just, how does that process work? How did, what was your rationale by, by going through that? Um, sure. I think when we, when we started the company, we weren't a company that, you know, we're going to have, we're going to build this up and have this exit plan. We were more, we wanted to actually, and it could be my naivety as well, but we more wanted. We really wanted to become kind of e-commerce experts. So we looked at this as a as a company that we were going to create online and really create a community of people that are connected together that can purchase products. Looking at the kettlebell really as a centerpiece. Um, once we kind of establish that, then you really start looking at okay, well, what does it take to scale this? And that problem is you know always one of the more difficult ones to solve. It takes a lot of capital. When you have such a inventory-based company like us, you're taking you're talking about significant capital. So you can really only grow every year as much as your margins allow you to. Um, you know, you just don't have money to double or triple or quadruple. 
you, you need to go seek outside funding. So during the process of seeking outside funding, you know, you have several different options, whether it's inventory financing or, you know, you're actually taking in some type of, uh, let's say, capital investment firm or uh, just a private equity investor, whatever that may be. All of those people want some type of percentage or some type of points on the overall business itself. And so when we I actually have this business with two other partners and when we sat down to really do the math and how that would actually play out for our, let's say, personal finances, you know, it would still be another five to 10 years before we could actually say, okay, well, now the company's making enough to actually pay us enough for it to be, let's say, life changing money. Um, But if we package it, package the company in the, in a way and set up a structure with a a larger firm, they could use this, expand it, and then we can, you know, take a a large payment now, and then also see the upside uh, of the growth in the future. So that was the structure that we ended up going with, where you know we have uh, an ability to make some life-changing money kind of immediately, and then also have some upside or sharing some of the upside of the potential um, in in the future. And it, it really just boiled down to you know whether or not you wanted to take on let's say twenty million dollars in inventory and go try to do it yourself, or if you wanted to kind of take your money now and give that ability to a larger firm that may be a little more experienced or uh, already has that network in place to achieve that a lot faster than you would. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's <clears throat> was probably a difficult decision to think about. Like you built this thing from nothing, for, right? <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. For, yeah. From, 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 from literally from nothing, from a 10 by 10 storage at public storage here in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> the the ultimate garage, right? Yeah, the ultimate, yeah, the ultimate warehouse where it started. Yeah, public storage. Thank, shout out to public storage. Yeah, hey man, they're, they're, they they serve a great purpose. Yeah, <clears throat> interesting on the calculus on that because you know again the the traditional startup Silicon Valley story is you know raise to go public or raise to get bought. You know you stepping up on the venture curve. It's a classic curve. Like this is what you need to do. But I mean, in these in these sort of inventory intensive, and this is more lifestyle too, right? Like you, know, like look, this is For about sure. working out, being healthy, you know. And what's funny to me is when I started, you know, when we started Keller Little Kings, and I started kind of thinking about what the brand would mean. We always knew we wanted to be a community. You know, we always saw ourselves as like the the ESPN of the kettlebell world, where we're you know we want to have and aggregate all of the facts and all of the news and best content around the world when it comes to uh, that, that type of uh, content. But I didn't really even consider it a lifestyle brand, but now I just know like making something a lifestyle brand is just part of how I do business. Like that's, if it's not a lifestyle brand, I don't feel like I'm in your head enough. You know, I, I need you to be associated with me in a positive way so that when somebody says, Hey, what is that? You go, that's my kettlebell Kings kettlebell. It's not just a kettlebell. That's my, that's kettlebell king's kettlebell. Uh, yeah, the same way you don't say, <laughs> yeah, the same way you don't just say, you know, that's my car. You say that's my Ferrari, right? Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I get it. I get it. No, it's just funny because, um, you know, it it's the connection to the brand that builds the loyalty, that builds the long term value. Yeah. And a lot of tech folk don't get that at all. Yeah, at all. Like uh-huh. zero. They're like, oh, just build a tool. I'm like, well. There's 10,000 MarTech tools out there, which who cares? Like I'm swimming in MarTech tools. I, someone's got to tell me like, 
how do I put these things together? I mean, I should know, like yeah. I've done it before. And I'm like, I can confuse. I can only imagine if you don't know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we tell people all the time, like that what a brand allows people to, I mean, it's like renting space in someone's head. Like, you, you know, you only have so many things that you can memorize. And when you are a brand to someone, that's something that, that you have literally imprinted in their brains as something positive that will positively influence their lives. Um, I like to set up companies, especially that kind of are a net positive in, in general. So I will use every tool I can to sell, right? Like if you don't like how social media, social media tricks you and convinces you to purchase things, well, at least I'm trying to convince you to purchase something that's going to be positive for you. I'm trying to steer you in direction. And I think people see that and really gravitate towards that. And that's what sparks the community and keeps it going. And it really brings uh, not just that initial purchase. Like that initial purchase is just a starting point for a lifetime value of a customer. So we're really working on those repeat, repeated sales and that overall lifetime value. What can we bring to you after that? What does this community really want after we already have you know hundreds of thousands of people that have purchased a, a single kettlebell, for example? Yeah. I mean, how, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's, you know, of course there's the business and you got to find out what people want, but I mean, what's the, do you have any advice on like building that community? Like what are some of the things you've learned? I mean, you, you know, you've basically been running kettlebell Kings for almost 12 years, the new one life grows green for another three. I mean, they're, and they're both lifestyle-ish for, I mean, they're they have products obviously, but like, what are some of the key things that you think are important for, I mean, it could be any, you know, I, th- I also think you need a lifestyle around some SaaS tool. <laughs> you should, you should, you should have a lifestyle around everything. If you don't, yeah. even if you don't have the brand, like you said, even if you have the perfect tool and you don't have the brand, someone will use it. And then someone else will come along with this very similar tool or make one similar small upgrade and then you'll be gone. And no one will even remember what your name was. It was just like, yeah, I use this tool, you know? Um, whereas when, you know, when you, when you create that brand, you're, you're creating a, a loyalty and a sense of, uh, allegiance that you don't just get normally. Um, and so I, I think the way we've done that is very similar to the way I, you know, look at growing employees or look at growing, um, kind of that culture in general is trying to create a culture that other people can buy into that, they want to then perpetuate more than even I do. So it has to be driven by the community more than it's driven by me. I can start it. I can create the spark. I can create the idea, but I can't be the main driver or the source of the content. And so what that looked like in the kettlebell world is we're working with every single sports organization that does competitive sport lifting. doesn't matter how big you are. doesn't matter how small you are. We're working with you because you are, an enthusiast in this space. And we want people to, to see that we support people who are really trying to drive the, uh, whether it's the engagement of, of the kettlebell world, whether it's, you know, compete at us at a, at a world-class level, even if no one's watching it, we want to support it because we're the, we're the kettlebell Kings. Of course, that's what, you know, that's what we would do. Um, and those kind of things, they go very far. You, so you, you would think like, okay, no one ever watches the kettlebell competition. True. But when someone goes to buy a competition kettlebell because that's the style they like, they're not going to go to the people who don't do the competition. They're going to go to the people who do do the competitions. And so it's just simple things like that, that starting on a ground level, 
fostering that kind of initial setup of a community and then really not putting your ego in the front, but listening to what these people that are already a part of it say they want. So, you know, if, if that's different products, provide those products, if that's support with, you know, their, um, like a lot of people, look, we had people in this competitive sport industry are not very, let's say rich, right? Like you're, you're dealing with people who are in the middle of Montana or Wisconsin, and, you know, they're working out literally on their farm and, they can't afford to pay for a kettlebell. Well, we'll have some type of program for getting people kettlebells. We'll have something that, that really gives a grassroots community and a chance to jump behind an idea and support that idea. And then we just keep doubling down on those types of ideas by testing and, and getting the feedback from that same community. Yeah, no, th- this sort of reminds me of um, this company called GORUCK. I'm not sure if you're familiar with GORUCK. They make I, I think I've heard of it, but I'll continue yeah. Yeah, Special Forces guys started started it. Jason McCarthy, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, backpacks, boots, you know, just general, like, things for endurance events. Yeah. And since a bunch of the folks that are involved are, like, ex-Green Berets and stuff and Special Forces stuff, they do all these events. And so it's a built this lifestyle of, you know, <clears throat> best rucking gear, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I used to do it a lot. Not, I don't do it much anymore or I haven't done it in a long time, but it was funny. The community was one of the most valuable things because you just felt this esprit de corps. You felt, you felt like someone got you, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, you know what I mean? It's like when I watch curling, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do watch curling. Now I don't have any idea, like, but the passion, yeah. I even saw a documentary on how they make the curling stones. It's like there's a specific type of curling of rock. It's on this one island in Scotland. They only go once every three. I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> yeah, they, they're really into it. Yeah, they're, they're really, they're into, really it, into it, right? That's a I mean, perfect example. Right, right. Curl, like, what in the hell? Like, sweeper with the stone, whatever. But, I mean, same, it's same with, like, World's Strongest Man. Like, I'm never going to be a World's Strongest Man, but it's, like, the coolest thing to watch. <laughs> You're like, I can't believe that guy lifted that keg of whatever. Yeah. Or, and yeah, but but it's the it's the thoughtfulness, I think. I think the the core of a brand is how thoughtful they are to the people that like them and how they try to nurture a community of like-minded individuals. And it sounds like what you what you're trying, like that's sort of like how you roll, like just generally, like I'm never gonna do, never gonna be in business unless it's this type of thing. Did I get that right? Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I even intended it to be that way, but yeah, I think that's where, you know, it, it, it leans towards, I, you know, I was telling someone the other day, I think I realized how different people really are, but we really have these common threads. And so I think these common threads are what really build great communities. So, you know, if you take kettlebells, for example, it doesn't matter your color, your shape. Like you say, you could be on level one of your journey on step one, step 10, step 20 everyone still gets that same sense of camaraderie from coming there because they know the overall mission is about everyone that's here, loves this health and wellness tool and is looking to generate some type of positive thing in their life. If it's a competitive, if it's lose weight, if it's literally, you know, rehab, get back in shape, they all can meet in one place because it's just a positive experience for everyone. It would be hard for me to create that same culture, let's say, for something that wasn't as good for people 
or that you know wasn't uh, something that I personally and morally would stand behind. So I think it does become easier to create communities that are positive than, uh, and I shouldn't say easier because there's it's pretty easy to create some negative communities as well. Yeah, but well, you've. I think I think you go a lot farther in business by creating positive communities because I think those people want to support you, whereas negative is just a bunch of complaints and uh, no one really wants to get things done. You know, everyone just wants to complain. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. There used to be so part of these go ruck events. You know, I mean, they're physically straining. You know, it, it like it. It they would. You know, the motto was embrace the suck. <laughs> embrace the suck. Yeah, embrace the suck. Yeah, I've definitely you know heard I mean? that one. I've heard that one from at least ten different coaches. Yeah, because like in football, same thing. Like you train hard. Like you win the game at practice. Like the game should be easy. Like that's right. And same with martial arts and whatever, but I just, it's just funny because, you know, the, the camaraderie, but the, also the shared suffering, but the methodology that they would use to do these events was based on training special forces people. So it's literally like special forces job is to go in and train guerrilla forces. I mean, that's the, like, whatever you may think of it, that's their job, right? You know, do, do what they have to do. One of their jobs, <clears throat> but it's always fascinating because there's the shared suffering, the shared, like, do you want to quit? Do you want to, you know, are you going to quit? You're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, give up, you know, like the real, like pushing the button on, yeah. are you really in it to win it? Yeah. And everyone, people get sometimes all frustrated and frustrated, but then you realize like deep in your heart, it's like, they're doing that to make you better. They're doing that because they're like, if this was a real situation, they, they love you so much that they don't want you to die. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the most extreme case. And I just find that that level of like commitment and that cohesion, again, different levels for different brands is so powerful. And when you get it right, it's magic. It's just pure magic. I mean, and what we were trying to do, especially now, it's easier than ever to kind of try to at least vet those people because you get to see what people put on their social. You get to see what kind of content they're generating. So if you have that vision in yourself, you can kind of go out and like my partners and I would spend hours and hours scrolling through influencers, scrolling through people who we don't know. We wouldn't say, hey, we want to form some type of paid relationship. We want to pay you $50 a post. That's not what we're interested in. We want to figure out what you're doing, how we can overlap, because we're on this mission to, to put the best equipment out to our community. If you want to speak to our community, you're more than welcome to. We really try to find those, those common threads that I'm referring to that align our interests in a way that you say, you know what, I, I, I love working with you guys because you guys are trying to support my, my previous vision. When I tell you what I'm trying to do, you are providing me a, a, a service or content or whatever that may be to try to push me in that, in that direction. And we do that with our vendors. I mean, every influencer that we have right now is here because they know promotionally from an engagement standpoint, it's worth it to be here, even if they paid us and we don't make them pay anything. They don't pay us anything, but we've created this uh, kind of allegiance or this alliance of, of people who share that vision. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, so then what, what, What's the jump to life grows green? Can you tell tell me a little bit about that? So, I mean, life grows green is kind of like the next chapter for me. You know, uh, I look at health and wellness as something that's important for everyone. Um, you know, Kettlebell Kings really did fitness equipment. That's kind of our specialty. I look at life grows green. It's more of 
is uh, a lifestyle brand that's trying to design natural products for people. So, you know, replacing as many pharmaceutical or uh, let's say processed products as you can from your diet, from your uh, from just your overall use, you know, whether that's topicals, whether that's your, uh, you know, furniture, you name it, you know, um, I'm trying to basically bring natural products to a community of people that want to support those types of ideas. That's that starts in, you know, some of our products are like hemp based products. So we have CBD products as well. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the, the CBD plant and I'm oh, the plant yeah. in the CBD it's... industry. Yeah, yeah. It's... That's a, that's kind of an ever-changing market. Yep. Uh, I like the fact that there's kind of a stigma that we're we're trying to break around that plant and around how it can be used and then what a community around that could look like. You know, I think a lot of people look at um, any type of hemp-based community or any type of plant-based community as kind of like hippie, outer, like kind of far out there, spiritual type of people. And, you know, and I really want to turn it into a, something that's more mainstream supported by supported by science um and really you know not not trying to i'm not trying to sell anyone snake oil here i'm trying to literally provide natural products that allow people to replace or supplement anything that they feel like that they may need yeah the 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 one navy seal i interviewed william he was a cbd advocate naked warrior recovery was his line of stuff yeah you know i'm familiar with them yeah i'm familiar with him yeah yeah great guy and it was just just Again, <laughs> when you talk to high performing folks in like communities that like winning is it, it was just so funny because I'm talking to him and I, I know I've some friends that are seals and whatever, like just, you know, I know a couple of them, but like the attitude is exactly the same, but it was just funny because I'm like, so why'd you start this company? He's like, well, you know, I'm uh, something like 150% disabled from my military service. And I'm like, how can you be? <laughs> He's like military <laughs> and he's like to get out of bed in the morning yeah i need cbd and he had he, he actually sent me some cool stuff some topicals and it was like really yeah. really it was very it was very cool to like talk to him because like his attitude was just it's, you get the rare sense you know when you talk to high performing people why it's so important to just like understand their mindset i mean i think that's why you know people are gravitated towards like tony robbins types or anyone that's like wow you've done that like yeah. what's in your head you know and I think to your point, and you brought it up very well, it's like, I just hate to lose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hate to lose and I hate to see the world go backwards. Almost. Yeah. I, you know, I hate to see things regress. I don't, I don't like that. I feel like as a society, as a culture, as, um, you know, United States of America, Texas, how, you classify us wherever you want to. Uh, you know, I think we need to have progressive demeanors about ourselves and, you know, progressive uh, features of, of, our, of our society. So. I'm always trying to build something that I think would make it a better place than what it currently is. Uh, you know, I, I look at natural products as something that's been stigmatized and something that's kind of been frowned upon based off of, you know, corporate interest in the marketing tactics of the pharmaceutical industry, let's say, um, as well as the lobbying of the, you know, of Congress and, and those types of things, yep. but we're really not putting enough em- emphasis on research and on how we can, steer away or prevent the pharmaceutical need in the first place. Um, And so I think introducing yourself into a community of natural products of health and wellness gives you an opportunity to maybe steer yourself away from a pharmaceutical approach where you're taking pills for the rest of your life and more towards a healthier lifestyle where 
you know, maybe you do need supplements, maybe you do need some type of product, but it's not a, um, what we would consider a medical grade pharmaceutical product that has side effects that aren't necessarily good for you. No, no, not at all. Not at all. No, that's a very powerful thing. I think we, we need to get back to some sort of equilibrium. Yeah. It's, it, and it's about balance. I, I'm not the person that says, Hey, don't, don't, don't take, don't do what the doctor tells you. I'm definitely not. Yeah, no, person. no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I think that we've, we've leaned too far away from natural, natural ideas and natural remedies to our issues. I think we lean a little bit for the church pharmaceuticals, especially compared to the rest of the world here in America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just as a, as a global standard, I think we lean a little bit too far towards pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's, there's lots and lots of examples of other cultures where the diet and the attitude is different and their outcomes are, you know, similar. I mean, not similar, sorry, better. I mean, and they're the ones that don't have access to the expensive pharmaceuticals, you know, they don't have type one diabetes. They don't have obesity. They don't have heart failure. Well, you know, I mean, we get, you know, we, we as a society, unfortunately, through good or ill, I mean, you know, generated a lot of wealth. So we've, we've got access to free and cheap calories. We get sort of in, well, we get pigeonholed or we get like put into the comfort zone of this, you know, immediate shot of dopamine. We're not connected. We've got all this strife. Community is lacking, you know, just generally fragmented and we're just getting sicker. (laughs) If I can't, I, I don't, I don't even have to be a, you know, like a, crazy hippie from Berkeley to say that because it's yeah. true. Look at the data, right? It's like, and, and so I really appreciate your time, Chad. It's just fantastic what you're doing. Really appreciate the insights. It's just so powerful to like the idea of a brand and community and lifestyle and like really integrating your, who you are and your ethos and like make the world better. I love that. I get behind that. That's what I'm trying to do with the show. And that's what I try to do with anything I do. So Thanks again, man. It's been a great discussion. Thank you. No, so much. It's been great talking to you. It's always good um, talking with like-minded people as well. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Chad, for the uh, awesome interview. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time and telling us your journey. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Chad. Chad draws his strong work ethic from his competitive spirit and the drive to be the best he can. He believes employees are inspired by seeing leaders have that drive and a positive work culture grows by facing challenges together. Yeah, I mean, I've done sports, not as competitive as Chad, but uh, always felt that sports were a good uh, good way to practice sportsmanship, working together, team cohesion, etc. So, yeah, I mean, that competitive spirit is also super important when it comes to being an entrepreneur. So uh, if you've never done sports before or you don't have a, that competitive spirit, um, it can be cultivated. So if, if you do want to be an entrepreneur, it's part of it. You got you to gotta want to be competitive and you got to want to win. So um, definitely take what Chad has to say to heart. Chad did not know where his ventures would end up. He didn't set out consciously trying to build a lifestyle brand or a company that would be acquired. may not always know where your road is going to take you, and you don't have to have it all figured out, but you do have to have the drive to succeed. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. Like, 
he didn't realize he was building a lifestyle brand, <laughs> which is kind of interesting and cool all in the same breath. But yeah, you may not know where you're going to end up, but you should definitely have a plan to go to where you want to be. So you should ask yourself, you know, where do I want to be in one, three, five years? What does this business look like uh, in the future? How do I want it to look? How do I want it to be? Um, again, it may not be like, oh, I want to get acquired or whatever, but should have like what this thing will be in the future. Ask yourself those questions. In building Kettlebell Kings, Chad learned the importance of fostering positive connections and building a community to create a strong brand people will be loyal to. I mean, you hear this all the time, right? Uh, it's all about building the community and being of service. I mean, any kind of company, software, hardware, B2B, e-commerce. I mean, you know, I always say product is basically democratized. I mean, you could build pretty much anything. People want to buy your stuff when they feel that you understand them and you're loyal to them, and then they'll be loyal to you. So, you know, ask yourself, how do you go beyond the product? What are the things that are the intangibles that are going to keep people coming back to you? A lot of folks use just outstanding customer service. That's usually one big one. Um, or, a lot of value add uh, on the product. You know, you get more bang for the buck, so to speak. So there you have it. Uh, the actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Chad. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.